Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me artist, author, and producer Kip Rasmussen. Kip, I appreciate you uh, getting on with me this evening. Go ahead and tell people about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, uh, I'm i a, a family psychologist by trade and a Tolkien mm. illustrator when I come home uh, from my day job. <laughs> uh, I've been married uh, for a long time, have three kids, uh, uh, empty nester kind of a thing. And uh, when I was uh, literally eight years old, I, uh, I went into my uh, brother's uh, book collection. He was a giant science fiction and fantasy fan, still is. And I saw this book uh, called The Hobbit on his shelf, and I grabbed it and opened it up, and uh, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And I said, well, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and, and that was it, really. I was eight years old. And uh, it just, you know, like millions upon millions of other people, you know, it just swept me away. And I just couldn't believe what I had found, <laughs> you know, this, this gold mine. Uh, and so I just really burned through The Hobbit. I was, you know, kind of a precocious reader. Uh, and so I, I realized right there on the shelf that there were uh, three more novels, uh, The Lord of the Rings. And uh, man, I just really cruised through that and, uh, you know, just fell in love with it and, you know, bought the, bought the calendars when I was young. And, uh, and then, you know, growing up where I was, um, there, there was really no connection to any kind of pop culture. You know, this was the 70s and uh, any kind of pop culture or um, a really a way to uh, access it. And so, you know, if I'd grown up in uh, Hollywood or, or uh, you know, New York or something like that, a bigger city, I probably would have been able to uh, um, sort of steep myself in, in pop culture a lot more. But I just, you know, kind of uh, went to college and got, got married, got my master's, got my PhD, got involved in all this good stuff. But I never really stopped doing art. And uh, when the, uh, the, the Peter Jackson trilogy came out, I just said, oh my gosh, finally, there's this ready-made audience uh, for something that I've loved for a long time. Then um, I uh, picked up the Silmarillion uh, in my you know, uh, early 40s and said, wow, I was the third time through, but I said, you know, I don't know if I can really you know, match or outdo the stuff that Peter Jackson did. It's just marvelous, marvelous stuff. But the Silmarillion is undiscovered uh, territory. And so I said, I really have to paint this. It really quite took hold of my life. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel like it's the greatest work from among the top few greatest creative minds in history. And I just feel like that it needed to be uh, made a little bit more accessible. So I just started doing art and within a little bit of time. Uh, I had a, a really good friend, uh, a film director named Tom Durham, very uh, talented guy. I uh, said, you got to get your website going. You got to get this out. He forced me to go to conventions and, you know, the rest kind of took off. Uh, I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've placed uh, um, work in the Peter Jackson Hobbit uh, special features kind of a thing. I've now, um, 
Uh, let me just show you a couple of books. Yeah. Like um, these are these are some of the books that um, uh, is, are are done through uh, Hachette Publishing from written by David Day. So I placed work in that, uh, and uh, I just was informed uh, a couple of months ago that my work is going to be in the 2023 Tolkien calendar. So that's a, that's very official. Uh, I just, it's a surreal to, you know, go down in my spider infested basement. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's dark, it's cold, it's filled with uh, Shelob and her brood. <laughs> and, uh, and then just to see, you know, after toiling down there for, a, you know, two or three years that, uh, you know, my work has really been popular and, and I just feel so blessed and so lucky. And it's just a surreal thing that I get to go to these conventionally fun. No, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. So you weren't trained as an artist. Uh, I'll tell you what, I had a magnificent junior high and high school teacher. Uh, she um, was just one of those dedicated teachers so in seventh grade, um, I took a, an advanced art class and I, and I just never stopped. And when I went into high school, it was a brand new high school. She was hired on at the high school. So I had the, the luxury of having this brilliant high school teacher for six years. And what she did beyond just, uh, what's the word, just nurturing creativity is um, she exposed me to every medium. So, you know, pen and ink, uh, colored pencil, acrylic, oils, uh, scratch board for crying out loud, sculpture. Uh, we were we were able to um, uh, cast our own uh, like plaster sculptures, and I, you know, of course, I did a Viking complete with the horns and everything. Fantastic! <laughs> that, That's awesome. That was that was me in ninth grade. You know, <laughs> I still love Vikings. But, uh, but yeah, so when people say you weren't really trained, I'm like, I really had probably what I would consider to be as good as fine a training as, as a person could want, you know, six years with a teacher who, who understood me and, uh, and just exposed me to just a ton of different media. It was, it was really, I just feel really lucky. Yeah. You don't get that a lot, uh, uh, nowadays. I mean, kids don't have that luxury of having the same teacher from seventh grade, you know, to 12th grade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she, uh, sort of nurtured, there, there's probably five or six, uh, artists in our little cohort in my little group, you know, these are my friends. They're still my friends who are now, you know, sort of big time artists. I went into psychology and did art on the side, but they, uh, did, you know, their own thing uh in on art and are very successful you know probably you know i i actually googled one of them and he's a millionaire (laughs) (laughs) through his art but uh but anyway it's uh it was really lucky so yeah that's uh my story there no that's awesome and when i I was doing some research and i said around 2013 maybe a little bit before you were you that's when you kind of got the bug to to really do this and see what you could do with it is that is that correct yeah, yeah. I so here's the story of the Silmarillion. Again, um, I, I was a pretty precocious reader. Um, you know, my mother was a psychologist, is where I, you know, got the psychology bug. So I could really read well. Uh, and, you know, kind of in a college level, very, very young. 
Uh, so I just burned through, you know, you know, Dune was no problem and all that kind of a thing. But uh, I and so the Silmarillion came out and I still have my uh, my original copy <laughs> from 1977. And I said, I got this, you know, and I picked it up and I and I finished it. And I said, I don't have any idea what I just read. <laughs> and so it completely escaped me. And then uh, I read it again at about 27 and I said, yeah, okay. And then in my early forties, uh, you know, I, I read it and I was just completely, you, you know, blown away. And so um, uh, that's when it, it just grabbed me. And I just said, I just have to paint this. I just have to paint it. It, it, it can't remain some arcane, uh you know book that's on a shelf somewhere buried in the dust it has to be you know a part of our cultural conversation and i think it is now you know people uh, i mean i follow a bunch of people on instagram and they'll do memes on feanor and i'm like wow how uh, we've come a long way since 1977 right <laughs> so yeah that that's why it, in 2013 it just took took over i think i read it again kind of a thing Nice. Uh, speaking of your calendar, congratulations on the 2023 calendar. I'm sure. When did you start collecting those calendars? I can tell you, I grew up uh, looking at those too. My mom was a huge fan. So like she has the, this like the, I think her first one is 76 with the Hildebrandt brothers. Yeah. I have the 74. Do you have 74? I do. And I still have it. And when I was, uh, um, you know, cooking along, raising my kids, my, my uh, son, you know, he's uh, 26 now and he's quite a good artist himself, but he used to just say, dad, can I look at your calendars? <laughs> and so I would bring those out and I said, no, no, remember these are really, really old and fragile, but, but yeah, I still, I have 74 through, I think 77. And then, you know, I kind of grew out of it. Uh, and, but I have the 1995 uh, John Howe, you know, I, 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 ha I don't have every year, but I have a lot of them. I got to ask you, when you, when the Hildebrandt brothers um, came out with their calendars, is when you read the, the Lord of the Rings after that, is that kind of who you pictured? Not really. No? I mean, uh, a lot of their work is, um, is absolutely brilliant. I mean, some of the I, I could just name off my favorite images like uh, Smaug the, the Magnificent uh, with all those coins, you know, Smaug toward and that, that great big jet of fire. I think it's one of the finest illustrations ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, there are, there are uh, sometimes they're, um, they're, I think they were rushed, you, you know, because they, they just, even though there were two brothers, there was a lot of work they had. So, so sometimes their their character design was not what I had in my head. Not that it was, you know, not great. It just wasn't what I had, you know. Right. No, that's because I had seen those growing up. That's who I pictured. But when the movie came out, it changed. And that's the, I guess, the curse and the blessing. Even though every character in The Lord of the Rings, like, fit the, the description of, you know, the character. Um, now I picture... Elijah Wood as Frodo instead of the painting that I saw as a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, among the many, many things that Peter Jackson got right, and he got, I think, almost everything right, the casting was just so spot on, you know. And it, I, I certainly can understand that. I just have, you know, I just have different 
people in mind, you know, uh, there, there's, there's any number of, you know, Gandalfs or Aragorns or, or Frodo's. Right. <laughs> uh but but yeah i mean uh when you when you think back on the hildebrand calendars a lot of them you know frodo does look a, a quite a bit like elijah wood <laughs> he does no um that's it, it, this is fun to talk about because it's been such a part of my uh you know life i love talking to tolkien fans uh, and i i don't think i've really ever talked to one that i i didn't think you know that's a really great person <laughs> let's get back to you to your work um so I saw on your website, um, on your about me page, um, and, you know, it has a little description about you, but it has a, a piece of work that you've done that kind of looks like a brainstorming session of, of things is how do you go about producing a work? Um, is that kind of how you go about it or what do you, what do you do? Yeah. Let me see if I, uh, have, um, uh, well, I've got some, uh, well, I do just tons of concept, uh, drawings. Um, so like, um, I'm doing the Argonoth. I just got asked, uh, by the Hachette people to, um, to do the, the pillars of the Kings, you know, the Argonoth. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll get this, uh, tracing paper out and I'm, you know, I don't know if you can see that well, Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's the little bow and everything. So I'm just doing composition right there. Uh, this tracing paper is, uh, is not easily damaged, you know, if you're careful. So you know, it allows uh, endless revision. So I just do composition sketches out the years. Um, I, I I think composition is not the most important thing in a in a in a work of art, but it's right up there. You know, top three. Mm -hmm. So um, the composition, you know, is something that you know it doesn't cost you anything except your time. You know, it's a it's a pencil and a bit of paper, and so I'll just uh, do composition sketches out the years. So it starts for me by reading you know tolkien so just the books and i've got you know i've got the i've got the books everywhere you know just right there handy and and i was just rereading the argonaut scene in uh in fellowship and uh so i'll i'll try to get it as accurate as possible the one thing that i don't want to do is disappoint the passionate Tolkien fans. <laughs> I mean, I really, really uh, respect them. I, I, you know, I just, the lore is just dear to me and the, the people who love it are, are very, you know, deserving to, to have that lore respected, you know? So I'll really dig into the passage and see what's going on and, and how Tolkien described it. And then I do all kinds of concept uh, drawings and, and compositional drawings. And then once I uh, figure uh, the thing out, uh, then I go with the color scheme based on the mood of the piece. So the Argonoth is a mood of majesty and awe. And so there you've got to have, you know, the, the color scheme that is not lighthearted at all. <laughs> in fact, in the, in the uh, passage in, uh, in Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Sam calls it a horrible place and I'll never get him in another boat. <laughs> it just finally does him in and Frodo can't even look up and even Boromir drops his head. And the only one who's just uh, sort of um, invigorated by the scene is uh, Aragorn. And he's, you know, this is the land of my heritage kind of a thing. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be uh, blues in the shadows and gold in the in the light. So there's where the color schemes come in. Uh, and like, um, you know, uh, Rivendell is always going to be uh, bluish greenish to me. 
um, and, you know, various other places just have, uh, you know, Rohan to me is golden green kind of thing. So that, that's uh, how I do things as far as that goes. And then I just try to come up with the most arresting uh, vision of it that I can. And uh, I'm, I'm limited uh, not by Tolkien's imagination or, or description generally, but by my own imagination. So that's kind of the process. No, that's awesome. And it's kind of like um, writing a book. I ask authors all the time, like, you know, you have so many ideas. How do you know when you get it right? Or when do you know enough to start? When you're doing that composition, what happens to where you're like, oh, this is it, like this matches my vision? Like, how do you, when do you know, like, this is, this is, this is what I want? Um, when I've got the dynamism down, uh, like, um, Sometimes, you know, I mean, you, you can't do a podcast without be a, being a creator yourself. And you, don't, you know what I'm talking about. There will be things that just sort of deposit themselves in your mind. And mine happen, unfortunately, uh, when I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's that netherworld of, uh, you know, letting the creativity go and not having the, the, the barriers of, of conscious thought. Uh, and then stuff just comes into my mind and I'll sometimes I'll have a composition that just lands whole cloth. Uh, but more often I'm like, I've got to really um, hammer something out. Uh, and uh, frankly, uh, I, I could show you, you know, my my Frank Frazetta print on the wall of the Silver Warrior. <laughs> I don't want to give people seasickness, but um <laughs> So um, I, I, I look at my favorite artists of all time to see how they've uh, um, uh, divided up um, the elements of their, of their format, the, the image. And so usually there's, um, you know, Frazetta did a lot of diagonal, uh, um, you know, mo uh, uh, sort of placement, which imparts dynamism and motion and uh, also a, kind of a pyramidal kind of a thing. Uh, so um, if, you, if you have a composition, you'll see a lot of, and it's oftentimes the rule of thirds. I, I don't know if you know about that. Um, so you divide any given rectangle up into uh, you know, thirds uh, both ways, and then where the thirds uh, intersect should be uh, generally something that is uh, your focus uh, your, uh, of interest kind of a thing. So I'll put the main element, say, um, you know, when I did my Theoden uh, striking down the, the uh, bannerman of the Haradrim, uh, I, you know, put his Theoden on, on not, uh, that uh, third by third intersection. Um, and so once I, uh, I have the, the composition sort of, you know, down-ish, then I'm good to go. But usually... I, I use the rule of thirds to uh, to do that. It's um, it's quite powerful, uh, unless I really want to do some kind of what's the word um, serene scene. So if you look at my uh, Thingol and Melian painting, which was chosen for the calendar, uh, it's more of a of a uh, symmetrical kind of a thing, other than the waterfalls and the trees and stuff like that. So that's a little bit on the diagonal. But the diagonal and the, the rule of thirds just imparts a dynamism, uh, which is really, really, uh, you know, fun to, to do. So, yeah, that's kind of 
Uh, I, I kind of went deeper than maybe <laughs> anyone wants to hear. <laughs> no, I think for anybody listening that wants to be an artist and, and doing this, I think those are two uh, great tips or tricks, you know, the, the rule of thirds and the, the diagonal. Um, you mentioned Frank Frazetta. Uh, who are some of the other artists that influence you? Uh, so there's the three Franks that hardly uh, one everybody knows about, um, which is uh, Frank Frazetta and the other two, Hardly anybody knows about uh, nowadays, and it's uh, um, Franklin Booth, um, who was a uh, an illustrator around the turn of the of the uh, 19th century. So you know, in the 1920s and 30s, uh, and you look you look at his uh, work online. There's a lot of stuff he did. A lot of what looks like pen and ink. Well, it is pen and ink, but it, it was in, uh, intended to look like wood engraving, which was an archaic form from like the Civil War time. Uh, but his, uh, his line work is so magnificent, but his compositions are just so great. So very, very inspiring. Um, and then the, uh, the third Frank is, um, oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm blocking on his name, <laughs> but he's, uh, I'll, I'll come up with it in a second. But uh, he's uh, a cowboy painter. I was an illustrator, a great, great illustrator, did lots of uh, movie posters. Um, and uh, sheesh, I can't believe this is so frustrating that I can't uh, remember his name. But uh, it's just because I put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, it'll, it'll come to me. But, um, but he, uh, he did a lot of really, uh, people don't remember this writer, but he was a, a Western author named uh, Louis L'Amour, and this uh, this um, this unnamed Frank <laughs> did uh, did a lot of his covers, and uh, he did a ton of, uh, of, you know, cowboys and Indians with a rock formation in the background, so he would go all around uh, the, the Southwest and take pictures of these really great uh, rock formations, and then he'd put them in the background of his cowboys and Indians, and uh, he just such a great painter. Um, I was able to see one of his paintings up close when I went to a, a gallery in Jackson, um, Wyoming, and uh, just wonderful, wonderful kind of uh, kind of uh, mentality. So yeah, he he inspired me a lot. I, I gotta say though, I there's hundreds of uh, of artists that inspire me. There are, you know, I, I probably follow, I don't know, two to 300 artists on Instagram. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so many great artists. And I and I and I follow abstract uh, um, painters. Um, I love the the work of the Art Nouveau movement, um, which was in the uh, late 1800s. Really, really uh, beautiful stuff. Uh, but um, Alan Lee is one of the, I mean, everybody knows the holy trinity of uh, the Tolkien artists and, and boy, they're my favorites as well. And, you know, Alan Lee's uh, um, pencil work is probably never been surpassed. Right. You know, there, there are people out there, you know, John Howe and many others who probably can equal uh, Alan Lee as far as their ability to just draw, but no one's better. <laughs> And then, and then John Howe, you know, I have uh, several of his books and uh, I, the guy has no limit to his creativity. I mean, there's just, it's a truly galaxy brain, right? <laughs> that guy. And then um, 
and then Ted Naismith, his, uh, his particularly his uh, landscapes are, I, for me, among the finest landscapes ever painted. I mean, ever painted. You could, you could stack up the Hudson River School or, you know, anyone else that's ever painted. And I don't think anybody has painted better landscapes. They're just, they're just beautiful, just incredible. Uh, I actually one time reached out to him just to thank him <laughs> on his website. And he's, uh, he's a very cordial fellow. Oh, nice. No, it's always, it's always fun to reach out to people that you admire and especially if they respond, that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's super great. Yeah. And uh, another uh, hero of mine is Donato Giancola, who uh, has the cover of the, the 2023 Tolkien calendar with one of the really most beautiful uh, fantasy paintings ever painted, you know, with uh, the fellowship of the ring uh, on uh, Carathras. Yeah, I, I looked at the calendar a little bit, and that cover is very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I've had the privilege of seeing that in person as well. It's about, I don't know, five feet by three. Uh, oh, wow. And just, yeah, really, really uh, just uh, absolutely, you know, absorbing kind of experience to be around that painting. Right. Um, so you are you have a full-time job. You have a family. Um, yeah. How do you, what, what are some of your like daily habits of, how do you maintain balance? Um, I, uh, I, I'm a workaholic-ish. Uh, you know, I, I get up, you know, my wife gets up even um, earlier than I do, but I get up, uh, you know, 6.37 and, you know, do a little workout because I, you know, just kind of have to keep my, my uh, uh, um, body alive as well. And then uh, try to get in a little bit of art uh, in the morning uh, and then, you know, go to work and, and come back. I got to take a little nap. I thank goodness I can do a little power nap, <laughs> 20 minutes. Uh, and then I get I get to work, you know, immediately. And the great thing about Tolkien is that there's never, ever any uh, lack of inspiration. So, you know, um, I just finished. Um, a painting of, uh, of Bag End and Hobbiton, which I just delivered to the, um, the, uh, the scanners uh, yesterday. I probably should have kept it for this, darn it. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's a kind of a funny story, which I'll tell you uh, sometime, but uh, I, just, I just feel so drawn to it, you know, that uh, I'm not saying that I think about it while I'm, you know, with my clients because I, you know, they they deserve all of my time. Uh, but uh, you know, when I'm when I'm home, it's I'm there. And then, you know, I'm an empty nester. My kids, uh, you know, two of my kids are married, and one uh, kid is, you know, 26, and he's uh, about off to graduate school, so he's living with us before he uh, leaves. Uh, and we talk Tolkien all the time, and he's a great artist, and you know, he does Star Wars portraits. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, my, uh, my wife, uh, comes in and, and she, uh, she's a bookmaker. She makes these, uh, hand, uh, um, you know, done leather journals. Oh, wow. Uh, so we, we watch television while she makes books. And, uh, and then, um, when she's done, I draw a little original drawing of, uh, the Tolkien world, you know, either a hobbit hole or, you know, uh, the Misty Mountains or an Elf Lord or something, and we sell them at the conventions. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, it really helps to, to have my family around while I'm, uh, you know, in my, in my studio. And it's just, it's just the most, I don't know, enriching, you know, kind of experience that I've ever run into all my life. I wanted to, you know, paint around my family and now they come in and hang with me. It's really awesome. So, but, you know, um, I just think that, you know, you have to have a life. You have to be social. I have friends. I like to go out and hang with them. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a, a spiritual and religious fellow, and I have that uh, aspect of my life as well. Uh, and I've got, you know, a yard that I have to keep up. But, you know, when the working day is done, then I go to work. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. Um, it feels like, oh my gosh, I get to you know, in, involve myself in the Tolkien world and people are going to appreciate this. So I really kind of, you know, disappear into Middle Earth. So as you, you know, you've read the books multiple times, when you're reading them, um, when you go, when you reread them, what are you, are you looking for anything in particular? Or are you just reading them and then like a scene hits you and you're like, oh, I got to paint that. Like how, where's that inspiration come? Well, um, let me tell you a, a fun little exercise that, that my uh, son and I did. Uh, my son was, I don't know, 22 or something. And I said, you know how awesome the Silmarillion is? Uh, I, can, I can just get the book and I can open up any given page and I can find a scene that's worth three months of my life. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's how much I love the Silmarillion. You know, I, I could do it here. I don't want to bore you, but, you know, I could just, one time I opened it up and it was Baron and Luthien confronting the, the uh, you know, the hellhound Karkaroth. And I'm like, all right, yeah. Uh, or it opened it up and there was, uh, you know, um, Galadriel engaged in some kind of talk with Melian or something like that. So um, it, it's not hard with the Silmarillion. I, it really has kind of captured my soul. But um, I've got like maybe maybe 30 more images that I really have to do. Then I might, you know, uh, take a little sabbatical and, and, uh, and write more, you know, maybe uh, uh, write a movie or a book or something like that. But um, really, I just, I just find the thing that grabs me most. Uh, like right now, you know, it's the Argonauts, and I've I've held off from doing the Argonauts for a long, long time because I didn't know if I had the chops for it, and so I feel like I'm finally uh, kind of there. Uh, I've been wanting to paint Galadriel for a long time, but I don't know if I've got <laughs> the ability <laughs> to really do justice to Galadriel. So um, you know, these are just. I could just paint really until my life's end and not get to the end of, uh, of, you know, Tolkien's greatness. Um, but so, so really it's just, you know, I haven't ever painted the, the, um, basically, um, uh, check box that every Tolkien illustrator has to do, which is Gandalf versus the Balrog. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was just fooling around with the composition and I landed on the composition. So that's going to be part of it as well. Uh, and it, I think it's a really cool composition. Again, a very diagonal thing with, you know, uh, that hellish whip from uh, whip of flame. <laughs> and uh, so I just, whatever is the most, 
you know, um, a compelling thing for me. And there are a lot of them, you know, I mean, when you get in the Silmarillion, you're literally able to paint gods. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, if you can't be inspired by, you know, the creation of middle earth and, and the, these gods and all that kind of thing, I, I, you know, I don't know if you've got the right mentality to paint Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's just so much inspiration. I, I do want to do a Baron and Luthien versus uh, Karkaroth. I want to do a, a, a Thingol, Baron, Mablung, uh, Beleg uh, versus, uh, and and Huon versus Karkaroth. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I need to do... Um, what else was uh, one that was uh, in the in the works? Uh, my my uh, my son begged me to do Tom Bombadil, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, man, it's just not my thing. But uh, you know, enough people at the conventions ask for Tom Bombadil that I'm going to do a, a Bombadil and Goldberry, uh, which I you know. As I think about it, I, I love plants. I love the natural world. You have to if you love Tolkien. Right. So I'm going to uh, going to do that and just fill it full of you know plants and stuff. So can I can I tell you the inspiration for for Bag End and Hobbiton? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> you asked about the inspiration, so this is my chance to talk about this this hilarious uh, story. So remember, I'm a mental health practitioner. Okay, I I deal with people who are depressed uh, all day long and. You know, depression really sucks the life out of a person. So I, you know, I try to treat it. I, I honor their, their, uh, their journey and all that kind of thing. So I'm at uh, um, the Seattle show, the Emerald City Comic Con. This was last December. And this young man comes up and he flips through my display book. And at the end, he says, don't you have anything happy? <laughs> oh, no. And I thought he was kidding. So uh, he was so sad. I thought he was, you know, so I said, uh, well, you know, the Lord of the Rings is full of uh, some, you know, pain and all that kind of thing. And so is the Silmarillion. Pretty much everybody dies. And then he just shut my display book and he kind of walked away sad. And I'm like, oh, no, he was really depressed. Oh, man. <laughs> and so I said to myself, okay. I've got to finally paint Hobbiton because <laughs> that's really the happiest place, you right. know, in Lord of the Rings. And so uh, that was the inspiration when people are asking for inspiration. Every once in a while, if, uh, if uh, uh, you know, some fans come up and say, love your work. Do you do, have you got this going? And if enough people do it, then I say, all right, I'm going to do that. Right. Um, earlier you mentioned, um, you know, you've written some books. Um Go ahead and tell us. They're not necessarily fantasy or science fiction, but um, enough people on here could probably benefit from them. And then um, you also wrote a screenplay. Yeah, I wrote. I've written four screenplays. My my the, the one uh, I wrote one that was an ensemble piece, kind of a pretentious one, kind of a you know, if anyone remembers the Grand Canyon, you know, something like that. Um, and I, I wrote one that's a, that's a um you know a comedy about 13 year olds who invent a uh, a remote control device that can affect the human brain uh and then click came out so i stole that uh i wrote a, a another one that's a comedy based on an updating of the uh don quixote uh story you know 
but the one that is most interesting to uh, to uh, people um, uh, in our sort of field is uh, a um, a story that's pretty factually accurate of the Battle of Hastings and the three kings that met in England and fought over England. Uh, Harold uh, Godwinson of England, Harold Hardrada of Norway, and then William the Conqueror of Normandy. So uh, that was the screenplay. It's a massive sort of Braveheart type thing. I call it Braveheart times three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son begs me to turn that into a novel, but I, you know, I only have so much time. So right now, my uh, my art is, you know, just consumes my my life. Uh, so those were the screenplays. Um, again, my uh, my you know uh, pop psychology books are probably uninteresting to your audience, uh, which is fine. Uh, but the uh, the book that the the novella that I have finished uh, is just I, I call it uh, Jurassic Park with dragons, even though it's not really that. It's about uh, these dragons that issue out of this canyon and afflict this uh, mighty empire uh, and, and start to you know, destroy this empire. And this empire slowly fades until uh, it's just a shell of itself, kind of like uh, Gondor uh, was after thousands of years of trying to survive you know, the onslaught of Sauron. Uh, and then there's this boy born whose uh, parents are killed by the dragon. And uh, then he's got this affinity with this, uh, this dragon king because the dragon killed his parents, you know, now there's this, this connection that they have. And so he learns that he can actually um, understand their thought. <laughs> so uh, he um, and a, a bunch of other warriors take it upon themselves to try to save this city from these dragons. And they go up into this canyon to try to do it. So it's, it's two warriors versus nine dragons. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, they don't kill them all, but you know, it's, uh, there, there's the teaser, so to speak. Yeah, a little outnumbered there. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, but but they, but what they lack in strength, they make up for in uh, in strategy. <laughs> Perfect. Do you have any tips or tricks for anybody that want to get started uh, as an artist or an author? Yeah, I do. Oh boy. Um, seriously, the first one is. Don't expect anybody in your life to understand what you're doing. Uh, meaning, um, they'll just say, why are you doing this? And this, this literally happened to me. You know, I mean, my family is an immensely supportive family, but they didn't get it. You know, I'd go down in my, you know, dungeon and start to paint and, you know, no one ever came down. They didn't know what I was doing down there. And every, every once in a while, they'd come down and I'd show them this painting. They're like, huh, wow, <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, only my friend did. And he's a, you know, he's a, a fantasy and science fiction, you know, freak, uh, Tom Durham, this filmmaker. Uh, and I'd show him and he would be like, man, you gotta, you gotta put this out. This is gonna, and he sort of is, is what kind of kept me going, his encouragement. But if you can find uh, a group of people who will encourage you uh, maybe they're authors, maybe they're artists, uh, and then you run your um, your your stories, your your creative process by them, and they give you decent feedback, not not things that are um, undercutting of your confidence. Like, you know, you really need to read more novels if this, if you think this is a good story, kind of a thing. But more of give you specific feedback on how can it, how it can be improved, like. 
well, maybe you can bump this back or bump this up. And that's what my friend Tom Durham says. He says, you know, like the first draft of my story says, they say that they're all going to die uh, too often. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, thank you. That was very specific. <laughs> so I took, uh, I took out all those uh, uh, dialogue, uh, uh, um, you know, experiences except for one. So um, find, find a group of people that um, think like you and can encourage you. And then remember that it takes a lot of, um, of work to get to be a great author. There's a, there's a famous um, um, saying by Norman McLean, the guy who wrote A River Runs Through It. And he says, um, art does not come easy. And boy, is that the truth. And, uh, you know, we, we, we are astonished at Brandon Sanderson's $41 million Kickstarter. But what we don't um, really think about very often is that he wrote 13 books before he published one. And I think it was Elantris. And, uh, you know, it's certainly, I don't think anybody, including Sanderson, would say that's his best book. He just, get, he just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write. And he just kept getting better and better and better. So people will never know the 10 years that you spent slaving over your keyboard or, or fighting through, you know, I, why can't I control, you know, this paint? Why doesn't it do what I want it to do? Uh, and you just have to be dedicated to your craft. Do not give up. But I also, you know, I was looking at artists when I was just young, you know, uh, Rembrandt and Vermeer and uh, Caravaggio and um, uh, various other artists. You know, I, I ran on to Frank Frazetta when I was, I think, 13 or 14 and couldn't believe it in a bookstore, you know, a local bookstore. And I just, you know, got all those books and everything. So uh, I just, you, you, you should copy the best things that your heroes do as far as art. Uh, you will eventually find your own style. Don't copy them, absolutely, of course. But if you, if you find the best things that they do, like Tolkien, I was like, man, world building, language, um, uh, the compassion that he has. We could go on and on with Tolkien. Then, then copy that. Uh, Sanderson, boy, he does magic systems really, really well. So, you know, see that uh, he can do that. Uh, that. That's not plagiarism to learn from the best. Right. Um, you know, and I learned composition from Frazetta, uh, Franklin Booth, and then this uh, other Frank. <laughs> um, so, um, when it comes down to it, you know, dive into the craft. Don't don't give up. Uh, keep working at it. Keep uh, figuring things out. Ask people for feedback, and don't be hurt when they when they don't like your stuff. Most people don't like my work, you know. And here you are because you know you must have you know had an affinity with it in some way. But but what it comes down to is that even at the conventions, and I sell you know, thousands of dollars worth of merchandise, you know, there's probably maybe two to 3% of the, uh, of the people who walk by, buy anything. And I, I can't be offended by that. They're not into my work. End of story. 
Uh, and not everybody, I mean, my wife doesn't even really like, uh, Tolkien. So, you know, yeah, no, she, she's, (laughs) she's, she loves science fiction. She loves star Wars, you know? Uh, so what it comes down to is, uh, that don't be dissuaded. Don't be put off by people who don't get your work. You find the thing that, that grabs you most in the universe and you just roll with it. And then you just say, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not gonna be um, deterred from my path. Now, I, I have to, we have to live in the, um, in the real world. We've got to pay bills, you know, I mean, bills just come in, man. <laughs> uh, so there are two schools and I, I, I'm a person that gives, you know, advice all day long and I don't feel comfortable giving people advice this uh specifically to say you know you need to quit your job and do this full time i mean i don't want them to starve but i also don't want them to ever be discouraged and tired and when they come home from work and just say no i'm just so tired i don't really want to get to my craft uh what i say is um then maybe you should choose something that you can't stop thinking about and when i write or when i paint i'm like the only thing that stops me is my own creativity. Uh, if I'm not really, really um, just fascinated and enthralled by the thing that I'm engaged in, well, why am I doing it? <laughs> now, if I am doing a commission, which I don't do very often, um, then I've got to check in with the person, you know, and, and do that. And I might not like it as much. In fact, that's why I don't do co- commissions very often is because it's just generally not something I like to do, but man, if I'm not liking the painting that I'm doing, I'm like, I shouldn't keep doing this painting. You know, it should just have the hold of my, you know, prefrontal cortex so that I can't, I can't think about anything else, you know? So if your fantasy world that you're building is not riveting to you, then make it riveting. And then you have to understand that, um, like, um, I think it was Hemingway, I don't know, it was some famous author, I think it was Hemingway, he said, writing's easy, all you have to do is bleed on the keys. <laughs> <laughs> and as an artist, it's, it's bleeding on the brush, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I can only do it for two hours, and then my brain is, is really exhausted. And, you know, there was a, a fascinating story about Frank Frazetta told by his son, uh, who said that he would uh, have, uh, you know, a, a commission, you know, for a book or something like that, Conan or something. And, and so he would wait for the longest time and then he would go down in his basement and they wouldn't see him for three days. And then he would come out with something colossal like, you know, the Death Dealer or the Destroyer or the Silver Warrior or something like that. And, you know, just something that is you know, wow, wow, this is going to be an icon of fantasy painting for the rest of forever. And, uh, and then he would be so exhausted that he would just lie, lie down on the couch face down for three days. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he would just be, so that's what it is for me. Every couple of hours, I'm like, okay, I need a break. And I'll go, you know, for a walk or go, to, go talk to my wife or, you know, text my daughter or something like that. Um, but, uh, so I'm not going to say that it's not hard, you know, it's really, really hard, but 
then, you know, when I've taken my break, I'm like, oh man, I got to get back to middle earth, you know? No, that's the, all that is just great advice. You know, don't give up, find something you're passionate about. Um, and if it's not something that you're passionate about, make it, or you said riveting is what your, your phrase was, yeah. make it riveting. Like yeah. that's great advice. One time we were talking about Brandon Sanderson. Um, I had a chance to talk with Brandon and, um, I was asking him, do you ever get the, in the middle of a book and you think this is just horrible, you know, this is, this is awful and I want to give up. And he said, I do. Um, but I'll, I'll talk to my agent or I'll talk to my wife and they'll say, look, you go through this every single time, just continue on. And you can, I, I don't know how easy it is as, as an artist to do this, but as a, as an author, you have revisions, like you can, you can change it and you can yeah. do stuff. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I was going along with your advice, um, that, uh, that was great advice that you shared. Um, can you tell everybody how to get a hold of you and, and kind of what's coming up this year for you? Yeah. It, uh, uh com um, is my website and I have a, you know, what do they call that? A contact sheet with just a little email and you can contact me. Uh, I literally have my home phone number. Yes. This <laughs> phone <laughs> on there because people are so darn respectful. Now they, they are, I mean, I've never been called, you know, by somebody who's just a grump and wants to hassle me. It just doesn't happen, you know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could, you could call, you could text or whatever, um, but email. And then I've got an Etsy shop and I, you know, I sell my prints through there. I have a, a wonderful assistant, my son-in-law, who's just really awesome at, at uh, making sure that everybody gets their they're prints and those are signed prints. So that's, uh, that's how you can contact me. <laughs> Fantastic. And are you doing any shows, uh, the rest of the year? I'm doing many. Yeah. Um, uh, I've applied for Emerald city, which is up in Seattle, uh, Rose city, which is up in Portland. And I've, I've, uh, ex exhibited there before they don't, they don't, they're, they're still curating cause they don't, um, you know, uh, they, they have so many people that want to uh, get in there that, you know, I, I, that they haven't told me whether I'm in or not, but it, uh, I might be. Uh, I'm in Denver in uh, three weeks uh, over the 4th of July. I guess that's two-ish weeks. Um, I have uh, an assistant that you met that is going to be at, um, uh, what's that called? Silicon nowadays. It used to be called Silicon Valley uh, Comic Con. Uh, and then there'll be uh, other shows that we haven't um, figured out. I'm going to send her to uh, Colorado Springs as well. And I think that's in August. Uh, then I will be in Salt Lake uh, City in um, early September. So, uh, yeah, and uh, there will probably be others. I, I'm just uh, going through them uh, to, to see which ones I want to either send an assistant, uh, for, or, um, do myself. Fantastic. So if you're at a convention, look for Kip, you might be there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kip Rasmussen. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Troy podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.